Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. Happy day after Father's Day to all of our listeners out there. And uh, we're talking our listeners on SiriusXM Channel 371, on Apple Podcasts, people who are watching on YouTube. We really appreciate the YouTube love. The channel is starting to grow a little bit, and uh, we're really growing it from the ground up. So we appreciate you guys. Make sure you go subscribe there. You can listen and watch any way you want. But it is, of course, Mac, the day after Father's Day. And we're getting into a guest that is perfect for Father's Day. We can't wait to talk to him. He gives some great father's advice. And Mac is, of course, about to be a father, so he's got a lot to say on this topic. But I do want to shout out my dad. Mac, I know you're about to be a girl dad. My dad was a girl dad before girl dads were even a thing. He was the ultimate supporter of all of my sports endeavors, drove me to all the practices, treated me just like my brother, um, if not better. Just kidding. Treat us the same. But uh, he is the ultimate girl dad, and so I'm super thankful for him, Mac. I know you want to give a Father's Day shout out before we get into... That's right. Come on. How about that? Big Father's Day, man. We had an awesome day. Threw down on the Traeger, had some big old ribs on there, and and really Mm. just to you know to celebrate the day. That's right. I know you are. I know you are. It was a lot of fun. But you know, just a day to you know recognize these men who who have molded both of us. I mean, I think that we are Mm. both very lucky on both sides for for um, you know in laws and our our fathers uh, that we have. Just special guys. Uh, We're moving right now, so I know your father's a little farther away than mine. But he's you know, coming next weekend, though. There you Classic go. father. There you go. There you go. Uh, but <laughs> Papa Mac is has been huge and and helping out. And then of course, uh, Khaki's dad, uh, Big Poppy, as we like to call him, Bill Smith. Mm. Man, he's they, they're just the best. And I'm so blessed, so thankful, and uh, you know, couldn't ask for for better role models and, and leaders for our family. We're lucky, Mac, and you're going to be a great girl dad. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, let's get to our guest here, widely recognized as one of the best college football minds of his generation. Kirk Herbstreet has served as an analyst for ESPN's sports Emmy Award-winning College Game Day, built by the Home Depot, college football studio show since 1996, when he joined then-host Chris Fowler and co-analyst Lee Corso. He tells some great Lee Corso stories. For his efforts, he has earned seven nominations, three sports Emmy Awards for Best Studio Analyst in 2010, 2011, and 2019. What what a legend, KG. I mean, we talk about one of the best in the business. Uh, it was really fun talking with Herbie, a guy who is the pinnacle. I mean, he, he's the top of the top, uh, calling college football games, ABC, primetime. Uh, he's moving over to the NFL, doing a little Thursday night action as well. Um, really appreciate his time. This was a great interview. Hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get right to it. Kirk Herbstreet, my man, welcome into the podcast. Super excited to have you today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Great to be with you guys. So I, w- I want to start by congratulating you because you did something pretty freaking cool, man. You wrote a book. And <laughs> listen, I- I've heard you talk about it a couple of times and I've heard you say, man, I never would imagine doing something like this. I've got to think it's a pretty cool accomplishment. Yeah, I don't even know. Really, if I, I mean, it's an accomplishment, but it was more about um, Gene Wojciechowski, who works on game day and is an incredible writer and has become a really good friend of mine. And um, he's reached out in the past about it. 
And y'all, if y'all go back to March of 2020, when we were all, you know, wiping down groceries and taking walks and people would walk away from you and go back to that mindset where you just didn't know, is this the apocalypse? I mean, what's happening to this world that we're living in? And he called me around April or May of that time. And I was at home and all our kids were back home and we were, you know, quarantined. And he said, hey, I'm just thinking about maybe asking you again about writing this book. And here's my idea. And it's not really, I mean, it's a football book. There's plenty of stories about football, my journey as an athlete, my journey as a broadcaster, but it's really more about my journey as a person, what I went through as a kid. I went to like nine schools from kindergarten to ninth grade, parents divorced, remarried, both got divorced again. I was always the new kid, which was really uncomfortable for me. So it was really more than anything, just wasn't a how-to book. It was just sharing my my story. And my hope was that people that are either going through some of the things that I went through could could relate to it, that it might resonate with them. Um, I talked about having premature uh, babies. You know, my kids were born, my twins were born at 28 weeks. They were two pounds, two pounds each. I mean, I could take my ring off my finger down their foot all the way up to their hip bone. Um, wow. And as a first time parent, that's, that can be traumatizing and scary. And, and there are people that go through that every day. And so, you know, telling that story, I, I went through uh, seeing a sports psychologist when I was in college, you know, going all the way back to the 90s when that was unheard of and going in to see him, like looking over my shoulder, making sure nobody would see me. None of my boys would see me going in to see this guy to think something's wrong with me because I didn't want to be embarrassed. Um, and I saw him for two years and changed my entire college career around. Um, I was looked at as a five-star bust and um, was ready to quit and ready to just give up. And and he really helped turn my my life around and my my mental around. He got me confident again and ended up being a captain my senior year and most valuable player, voted by my teammates and all that stuff, which was great. But I learned so much going through that. So, yeah, I, I just opened up my heart, really, is what the book's about. And I think, the you know, sometimes we work in, in broadcast and we do TV or radio or whatever, podcasting, and people perceive you to be this person. And I think there's a perception of who I am, you know, like Mr. Blonde Hair, Blue Eye Guy on the corner there that's got, you know, he's got the perfect life, perfect world that he's had his whole life. And then people just kind of just a chance to get them to know me, the real me. And so had to get kind of vulnerable, which is it's not an easy thing to do. And um, just opened up my heart and just just wrote the book with Gene. Which I love because, like you said, people really just see kind of the TV version. And so to to open up to that human experience that, you know, we're all going through certain things. I want to ask you this, Kirk, because as you said, that book is there's a lot of fatherhood in that book. And we're going to release this around Father's Day. I am not there yet, but Mac is about to be a father. So... (laughs) We need your best uh, fatherhood, your best parenting advice for Mac and any of the listeners out there who are parents. Wow. You know, I I really, first of all, congratulations, Mac, to you and your wife. Thank That's you. Great. Thank uh, you. Congrats. Uh, first, the, the first thing is it's a game changer. You know, it is a, it, it is, you think you know, and then you see your babies and it just, your life changes like that. And there's nothing... I can tell you, your parents can tell you until you see it, you see your baby yourself. And it's just like life just changes. You no longer are living for yourself. 
and you have your whole life. Now you're living for somebody else. Every decision you make is for someone else. So it's it's a it's a it's clearly a game changer. Um, and I think you know, being a parent right now, I'm sure it was hard in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. It just it's just different, you know. I mean, you're bringing them into a very challenging world, you know. And and I, I say that when it comes to like social media and. Um, when my kids were like seven, eight, nine, ten, phones were really starting to get going, and it would drive me crazy. As a dad, we would go out to dinner, and I would point out other tables, and there'd be three or four people, you know, families at, at dinner, and everybody was was doing this. Like no, nobody. It was almost like they were texting each other, and I would just be like, "We will not be that." You look at that right there, you know, and and so I I've tried to drill into them the importance, but at the end of the day, man. You can't you can't micromanage their entire lives. Eventually, they're going to be their own person. They're going to go to college and they're going to live their life. So I, I, there's just so much to say. I would just say what you'll do. Just love them no matter what. There's going to be challenging moments um, if you just love them through it all. If you can keep, you know, it, which is challenging depending on where you are in your walk with God. But if you can keep God in the in the center of it all. Uh, it seems to to really allow you to be more patient and allow you to be more understanding and allow them to understand where your heart is at all times. And uh, it's great, man. I mean, it's, and if you have a boy, just get ready for crazy parents uh, when you go to sporting <laughs> events. I mean, you are going to be, if you haven't already seen it, I mean, these parents attack the manager of the baseball team, the umpires, the <laughs> I mean, they they all think their kid is a first round draft pick, and it is it is wild to witness. Um, but man, congrats! You'll have you'll have so much fun. It's the beginning of a, of a great journey for you. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. We we can't wait. October one. You know, football season's not busy enough for the three of us. I thought I, I thought I'd throw a baby in there and, and oh, trying to raise a baby. So great timing. We'll, uh, we'll, great timing. Yeah, we will we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out as we always do. But guys, if you haven't. Seen it, heard it, read about it. Go check it out. Out of the pocket, Amazon, wherever you get your stuff, uh, you can find that. Herbie, when when is uh, if these walls could talk coming out? I know there's got to be a game day book on the horizon, right? Has to be, right? Man, that would be awesome. I always say, you know, these shows that are on some of these, like, you know, it's you know, is Disney Plus or ESPN Plus, they they should do a game day uh, show that's kind of like behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, Uh, because our Friday meetings and, you know, we all get together. It's like to me, it's like romper room. I mean, it's it's like you've never been to production meetings like game day. I mean, everyone's just kind of (laughs) we're very big into self-deprecating and teasing (laughs) each other and making fun of each other for whether it's something you're wearing or, you know, Lee Corso with his his black satchel. And Lee Corso is like any coach. He's a, a man of just routine. And so every Friday he goes through, you know, what he needs. He's got his black Sharpie out and then he, he gets done with the meeting and then he goes right down the the uh, the food line. And he's got, you know, it's it's not like he's getting carrots and celery. Oh, no, no. He's grabbing like Reese peanut butter cups, Mr. Yes, yes. He's just firing those things in there. He's getting he'll go to the, the, the refrigerator and they've got they, they take really good care of us. He'll get a Dr. Pepper. He'll get a Coke. He'll get a Sprite like he likes a variety and he. I mean, he gets done with, by the time he gets done with everything, he's got his satchels just, you know, I'm always like videotaping him, like, what are you doing now? And he's 87 years old. 
and he's just he is a riot you know so we have we have a lot of fun and he always has to have a sandwich from the local deli not like subway or or, or jersey mike's he has to have a local deli on the campus and and one of the guys and goes and gets him the exact same deli sandwich and then <laughs> he goes back into his hotel room at friday and he does this he's done it i've been with him for 26 years He'll put his blue pajamas, white T-shirt, little white uh, foot socky socks on. And he sits there and goes over the show and has his sandwich. He lines up all his Cokes and Sprites and everything on, on the air conditioning unit. And you go in there by chance to go, hey, coach, I was trying to. And you open up his door. And it's the same every single time. <laughs> and he's just in there from I, he must go to bed at eight o'clock, but he's in there practicing <laughs> his lines uh, every Friday night. He's just yeah, he's a beauty. But he, he's eighty seven years old, man. Yeah. Killing it. Killing well, it. Th- those coaches, man, they're meticulous. Yeah. I, I think they uh, they like that routine. Kelly, you have your coach. I have my coach on our show and uh, we get after it. We get after it with them. And, and I love that. Well, Kirk, I, I want to focus in on you here and, and kind of you know talk about your story. And obviously the book goes over a lot of this stuff, but we're going to put it in audio form and, and on YouTube and things like that for our guys here. Let's go back to Ohio State. Y- your pops played there, was a DB, was a running back, was a captain. Was it always a dream for you to kind of follow those footsteps? I mean, you grew up in Ohio, went to Centerville High School there. Was it always a dream to to play for the Buckeyes? Yeah, I mean, if you, I grew up in the seventies, and the guy named Archie Griffin was was um, pretty good, pretty good player. Pretty good. <laughs> he won he won two Heisman Trophy, the only guy that won two Heisman trophies. And for me, Archie Griffin was like a god, you know. And my dad, being a former player. He would take me to games from time to time and I'd go into the locker room after a game and I'd see Woody Hayes and I'd sit on his lap and he'd have that white T-shirt or that dress shirt that was half sleeve and his tie and his coaching hat, and his glasses. And I I was sitting on his lap as a five or six year old, like I'm like I'm looking at Santa Claus, you know, and I'm just like, I cannot believe that. And then I'd go put Archie Griffin's helmet on and it was just almost surreal my whole life. Ohio State was everything to me and even pro football was like it was okay but Ohio State was everything and so as I grew and became an athlete and and eventually became a prospect and you know I could have gone to a a number of schools all over the country um, I knew I was going to go to Ohio State all along and live out that that lifelong dream and um, yeah so I mean that was my that was my journey that was kind of my my dream of, of trying to make it one day go to bed at night as an eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year old thinking about um, playing for Ohio State. I think Clemson kind of did something with their social media, showing a youngster, you know, at the mailbox and eventually be dreamed about it and lived it out. That was that was me with Ohio State. Wow. How about that? So you mentioned um, I'm going to there's kind of twofold here. You, you mentioned you know, going to a therapist and then we know, you know, or our mental health coach, yeah. whatever you want to call it. And and then, you know, that pressure of your pops, you know, being a successful player, being a captain, being a coach there. W- w- is that where that pressure to perform came from? Or was it just, I mean, we all go through yeah. it. We all were athletes here. Yeah. What what kind of, I guess, led to that, to where you, okay, it helped you through, you realized, and then ultimately becoming, you know, team MVP. I mean, it, it was, it, it was everything to me. It wasn't going to the pros. It was just a different time. It, it I wanted to be the Ohio State quarterback 
and I wanted to lead them to a Rose Bowl, not for me, but more of I just wanted to experience that because I thought about it every single day my entire life. And then to see that dream wasn't my dad's pressure or the shadow of his career. It was more of my own dream and seeing that dream being as I lived it, just it's not going to happen. You know, my freshman year, sophomore or redshirt freshman, freshman, sophomore year were three of the most trying years because I wasn't getting any footing. I was a triple option wishbone quarterback that was trying to learn how to run the West Coast offense that John Cooper had brought in from the pack back then, the Pac-10 at Arizona State. So I was all of a sudden before I was going down the line and doing this and now I was going straight back and learning how to do a seven-step drop. And I was just, I was a fish out of water, man. I just couldn't do it. And let alone trying to read coverage while I was doing it. We weren't in a shotgun. And, you know, I would have loved a dual threat and a gun where you could run and throw. This was more just, you know, either hand off or you're dropping back. And it just, it just was not clicking for me. So I was just very distraught, was losing traction, wasn't really moving up the, um, the the depth chart. And just like anybody who's going through that 18, 19, 20, you get sad, you get frustrated. And there wasn't a whole lot of people I could really talk openly with. My dad was constantly trying to encourage me. But, you know, they introduced us to this, this uh, kind of mental coach at a meeting. And I just, no one told me to go see him. I just thought, I'm at the end of the rope here. I'm going to go talk to this guy. And I just started to like really we we never really talked about football. First ten times I saw him, it was just he was trying to just get to know me. So I told him all about my family, a lot of the dysfunction, and I started to really trust him. I started to really look forward to going to our meetings because I was just airing out a lot of stuff to him. And so then after they he built that bond with me, then he started talking about football and then he, and then I, that's when I started to see some things change. And I, like I said, for me, it was more about getting confident and believing in myself after going through that. And I know, Mac, you, you went through some stuff yourself in your career, so I know you can really appreciate it and probably relate to it. It's tough when you go through that. For my fourth year, my junior year, I finally started to get a chance to play some, and I was kind of like in and out. Uh, but as you know, as a quarterback, there's only one guy. In this case, I was playing uh, some for there was kind of like a 1A, 1B situation. So I was getting some reps. And then going into my last year, I, you know, I think being voted unanimously captain by my teammates was probably the, the strongest thing that a, a guy can get, especially when you've been through a lot of a lot of uh, stuff that you, you've been through. So for them to see me and be like, that's our guy. Man, I was just like, man, I had I, finally made it full circle after going through a lot of a lot of junk. And um, that's why when I watch these guys today, it really helps me as a broadcaster to relate to the Deshaun Watson on the roster and the guy that's, you know, Hunter Johnson or a guy that just didn't quite make it or he's he's down on his luck or he's he's not feeling good or he's so I, I feel like the lowest guy in the totem pole or the top guy in the totem pole, I, I feel like I can relate to all these guys and I I know we're in an era of transfer portal, and I just and I'm not saying everybody should stick it out. I'm just saying for me, and it probably worked out because I ended up playing and starting and all that. But I learned so much 
going through that that changed me as a, as a person. And if I just would have left and been immature and young and just said, I'm, I'm leaving, I don't know if I would have gotten the good stuff out of it on the back end that I ended up getting. And I'm, I'm, again, I, I'm sure you can relate to a lot of that. Well, you're leading us into, because we want to talk about the portal, and it's so funny, quick sidebar, Mac and I met, I mean, day one of summer school, okay? And he has a Clemson tattoo on, which leg is it, Mac? Left leg, left leg. Okay, left leg. And I looked at him and I said, what happens if you transfer? And he said, I'm not. So A lot like you, Herbie. I mean, it it wasn't an option. (laughs) I was going to figure it out. I was going to figure it out a lot like you. So, but like speaking of the option, it's the, I think the option is different. Obviously you loved Ohio State and Mac loved Clemson and that was part of sticking it out. But do you think in some ways the option, the one-time transfer with no penalty, no consequences is the biggest issue here. One of the things that I think could fix a lot of this is going back to having to sit out a year with transferring, and that could change a lot of things, but I don't know if that will happen with the courts. What what are your thoughts on that, Kirk, with the the one-time transfer rule? You know, I I just don't think I can throw an entire blanket over that topic and just say, you know, people should not transfer or people should transfer. I just think it's a case-by-case thing. I really do. I you know, I, I'm a little, I'd lean a little bit to sticking it out because I really, if I'm just looking at my own kids, I, I really like kids to go through challenging times if they can see a light at the end of the tunnel. And if it's, it's practical for them to be able to work, you know, do extra work or whatever it takes to eventually get to your goal. Like if it's, if it's practical, I tend to lean on sucking it up and fighting for something. That's, that's just me. Um, but if it looks like, you know, either the guy that recruited you is gone or the head coach that recruited you or is gone or the system that you thought you were going to get fit into is gone, or you thought it was going to be a certain culture and it's nothing like the culture they sold to you, then I'm, then that's a different set of circumstances. And I can see how a guy would be like, this isn't working. And so he would have to go. So I, I'm kind of, mi- I, 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 I'm just mixed there. I, I, I guess the best way to say it is, like I said, I'd lean a little bit to fight it out. I just think we've created a, a chase of, of now with NIL, this short-term money that sounds like a lot of money and it's really exciting, but I feel like we are, with social media and, and all that, I feel like we're, we are, I worry for kids to chase short-term money to potentially impact their long-term gains. Remember, 2% of these guys are going to the NFL. Less than 2% are getting that second contract, which is like generational wealth. You see a guy that will sign for $80 million, $100 million, whatever it is. You're not signing for that out of college. You know, you're for, Even if you're the first pick in the draft, you sign a good deal – but it's that second deal. It's even less than 2% that's getting that second deal. So it's easy to sit here and just try to make assumptions, even at a place like Clemson or Ohio State, that all these guys are going to the NFL. They're all going to be so wealthy. Well, go back and look at the guys you played with, Mac, and think about the guys you just knew they were first rounder. You knew they were going to be in the NFL for 100 years and make a right. amount of money, and they didn't. 
Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Really, there's only one. There's only one. And that was in question for a while with Deshaun. And right. now he's he's getting yeah. paid. But one, it's a crazy thing. You're absolutely one right. Out of all those right. freaks. Yeah. I mean, and, right. and Clemson has as many Well, Mac, what hold on. Sammy and Nuke, I mean Yeah, sure, Sammy, sure, sure. those guys. Yeah, those are a little bit old, those are a little bit older. Sammy Nuke, I mean Mike Williams is probably in yeah. that category. Grady Jarrett, who no one Yeah, Grady really Jarrett. Really and again, and we're by the way, we're talking Clemson. Ohio State, Alabama, you know, you're talking the elite of the elite. And you're still, when it comes to generational wealth. Naming five guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so (laughs) I just think um, I'm all for, you know, this this NIL. I I think if you're a former player, most people would agree with it. I'm not for poaching players from smaller schools. I think that's terrible. I'm not for using it as an inducement to be like, hey, if you come here, We'll give you eight million dollars in NIL. I'm not. I'm not a fan of that. Um, I, I'd like to see players come in, and if you earn, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba at Ohio State, he had over 300 yards or whatever it was in the Rose Bowl. Guess what? When he got back to Columbus, it was. I'm sure, like, you know, he can have any deal he wants, and, he, and he's earned that on the field. Same with C.J. Stroud. Um, so I think that's awesome, but I don't like. I just don't feel comfortable with using it. These college coaches, I'm sure they tell you, too, it's no longer tradition. We're going to compete for championships. Got a great business school. It's all about, well, I was at this school last week, and they said they're going to give me $800,000. What, what right. That's all it is. And I, I just can't imagine that that's what we want for college athletics. Now, with that being yeah. said, I think what's coming any time now is the NIL money Put parameters on it, the things we just talked about. It's the network of dollars that I think all is going into the the Power Five conferences for the most part. That money is eventually going to go to the players as well. I, I think that right. I see in the next year or two the Power Five pulling out of the NCAA, and I see – Somebody becoming the commissioner of the Power Five. It could be a Gene Smith who's at Ohio State. It could be who who knows who it'll be. That person is going to eventually negotiate with an entity, whether it's a players union of former and current players. And they are going to do like the NFL, collect a bargaining agreement where this new Power Five world will negotiate and they will agree to terms on, hey, we can't recruit players and use that as inducements, whatever it is. And, and the players are going to have to agree. And that that, that conference, Power Five uh, conferences will agree. And then that will be the binding contract. And then everybody will have to follow. Because right now there's no rules. It's just right. like, do whatever you want to do. And, and we can't live like that. So I think eventually it's going to lead to the Power Five pulling out, create some rules that make sense for both sides. Make sure the revenues evenly split. However, you guys want to do it, and then make the rules and let's go. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't think we can avoid it. We've all wanted to try to hold on to the past, but that's our future. That, that's right. where we're headed. I, I completely agree yeah. with you, and I think that's that's where it's going. I think it's going to be very quick. And whether that's aligned with you know these TV contracts and kind of ten years is that number, or is it sped up? Because we're already seeing guys jump ship, change conference. Texas, Oklahoma, they're coming to the SEC. I bet it happens quicker than we think. And so yeah. I think that's going to speed everything up. It, it just, it's the nature of the beast. And when you kind of let this genie out of the bottle, 
something there's got to be a bigger bottle to get the genie back in right and what is that yeah. going to be is is that a greg sankey is it a gene smith is it somebody who is going to be this commissioner get everybody together under something and and just change because i think the ncaa is is long overdue i think it's it, it's good for some sports football and maybe men's and women's basketball has kind of grown out of it so it, yeah. it's going to be fascinating to see what changes what changes come i'm glad that we all kind of align with well that. mac you bring up a commission. I mean, are we looking at him? <laughs> Come on. Kirk. Would you do it? Would you Come do on. it, Herbie? Would you do it? Oh, no way. I would not. I would not. Sounds I, like I, a terrible job. I, I live for this sport. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be doing some NFL work this year. And, I'm, you know, I'm excited mm-hmm. to do the NFL with Amazon on Thursdays. But I, I mean, it, like I talked about with college football, it's just, it's just there's nothing like you know, for 26 years, I've been to Death Valley and I've watched the Tigers run down the hill, which is incredible. I've been to Eugene, Oregon. I watched the Ducks run out when they're ranked number one in the country. Austin, Texas, Norman, Oklahoma, Columbus, Ann Arbor, uh, all these incredible atmospheres, the tailgating, the families, the sense of community around these stadiums, the marching bands. It's just a different animal, you know, and I it's like I, I want to shoot it into my veins. Like I just can't get enough of it. It never gets old for me. Uh, the players move on and a new new group of players come in. But uh, I just, I love it, but I would never want to be in that seat. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be a consultant behind the scenes, but I enjoy just talking about it on TV. I love that, man. It's probably going to be better to be the second guy or gal. It's not the first one because there's going to be a lot. <laughs> there's going to be a lot to go. In. Like, it's opposite. You don't want to follow Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney. You want to follow whoever this person is because then you'll right, you'll really, exactly. you, you really get everything yeah. kind of going. So, all right. Well, one thing that I also wanted to talk to you about, Herbie, when, when you know you talk about, okay, we're going to the NFL. Congratulations. Really excited about you know seeing that in Thursday nights. Kind of must-watch TV, if you will. Um, but you're one of the best. I know you know that you've been one of the best. I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your prospect process, specifically looking at maybe last year and before, not this year, this year's going to be nuts. Um, but last year before what, what was Sunday through Saturday in regards to process like for you? Well, again, my, my thing, and again, I think you and I are parallel here. I, was 25 years old and I auditioned for college game day. They told me I was not going to get the job before I went to the audition, but at my age, they just thought it'd be a good experience. And then I went into the audition and Lee Corso, I've never met, was sitting next to me and Chris Fowler. It was just like we were on the set and I was terrified and I got through it and Lee and I just kind of bonded, uh, I think on the camera and they just took a, they rolled the dice and took a shot on on a guy who was 25. Now, I was an okay player. If you were in the Big Ten region, you would have known who I was. But if you were at Florida or Clemson or USC, you, you're not going to know who I am. And instead of being embarrassed about that or, man, I don't, how am I, how am I going to talk about the national sc- scope of college football when I'm just a Big Ten guy and I'm 25 years old? So that was a little daunting. And so what I decided to do was mentally go back to being an athlete. You both can relate to this. I thought I'm going to outwork my opponent. You know, I'm going to outwork the other analysts. So I'm going to be my shtick is going to be I'm going to be myself like we're talking right now. 
And then I'm just going to be the guy that's like, I'm going to know as much as I can about every team I talk about. Not just a little one comment that I get. You can take me anywhere and I'm going to be able to bob and weave and know what I'm talking about. So that's be, that became my my angle. And so if you were in Florida or USC or wherever, you might be like, I don't know who that guy is, but damn, he seems seems like he's plugged in. And that became my deal. That that that's kind of so I did that and that be, and I had some success and I just have never changed. You know, so I still look in the mirror and I still see a guy that's trying to prove himself, a guy that's you know, not worthy of being on the desk, a guy that's, um, you know, I wasn't a Heisman winner. I wasn't a three-time All-American. I, you know, these guys that are usually get these jobs, that's who they are. And I wasn't. And so I, I just have to outwork everybody. It's my only chance of survival. And so in order to do that, man, my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is like full court press. And it is go, 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 go. And then if you, for me, if I do that, man, Saturday, that's the easy part. <laughs> um, but it, the hard part is doing what I need to do um, during the week. So it, it's it's pretty much a grind uh, all, all week for me. Yeah. And, and I think it's so interesting, you know, because friends, family, it's like, man, you only work one day a week. You only work Saturdays. And, and of course, you have a little <laughs> bit more opportunities. But um, it, it's so funny how much goes into it that people will never know. They'll, they'll never see it. Um that that you know Sunday, if you, if, if, you know Mac. If you're doing your job, which you do a great job of, of, of making it look like man, anybody could do that. Right. You're just sitting around. To, but if you if you're making it look easy, um, which clearly it's not, then that means you're doing what you need to be doing sure. before you get on camera. And they're right. If you do what you need to do Monday through Friday. Saturday is a, it's a blast. That's right. You know, that's right. But try not doing anything Monday through Friday (laughs) and then sit on the desk on Saturday. You're going to look like an idiot. Yeah. No question. (laughs) No. And that's really, I mean, that was not, not a reservation. It was even more than that. It was before this opportunity even existed for me. It was like, I don't want to do that. I I know what it takes. I know what it will take for me because I want to be great. I want to be the best. And I'm going to dive into that thing full speed. I'll be watching more film than I ever did as a player. I don't want to do that. But of course, once the opportunity is presented to you, you get asked. It's a dream come true. And and we are truly, all three of us, are so blessed to be able to cover the sports that we love uh, and and make a little bit of money off it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Kirk, we've talked about the uh, NFL opportunity that has presented itself for you. And before we get into some ACC football rapid fire, I'm just curious because of how much you love college football and and Mac and I can relate. I mean, I I love this sport and I love the NFL too. I watch it on Sundays, but to me, it doesn't have, it's not, you know, make or break, um, live or die by it. What intrigued you about this NFL opportunity to call games on Amazon with Al Michaels? Great question. Um, because I'm I'm very similar to you. I do feel like when you watch a Sunday night game or a Monday night game, those games, for obvious reasons, have some more juice, you know, compared to like a one o'clock game that you might watch. So I I I do think that having a primetime game on a Thursday night, I, I do think it's going to have similar kind of uh, juice or, or energy that I, I get when I watch college football. Um, so that, that was great. The big thing is I, I've thought I've, I've done a couple NFL games the last couple of years. I've never been that guy. A lot of people in our business 
They're thinking, man, if I do really good here, I can get to this. If I do really good here, I can get to this. That's the, that's the, for the people at home, that's the norm. That's how most people look at their career. Do this. I, if I crush it, I get another opportunity. And in my case, because I was so young when I was doing game day, the only place to really go eventually, and I started calling games, was the NFL. And I always had people asking me, man, one day maybe you'll get to do the NFL. And I was like, I, if, they, if they'll I'm let good. me call games, <laughs> I'm good for like the, the, the rest of, the, of the, my career. Call games and do game day. I'm good. And then I did a couple of these NFL games the last couple of years, and I had a blast doing it. And, you know, of course, I know all the players like I'm, I'm doing a production meeting and with the Chiefs and I'm talking with with Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, it's just it's cool to talk to guys that you covered in college and the Giants I had. I had Saquon Barkley and, um, you know, with Denver, it was it was just really a cool experience. And so it kind of piqued my interest. And then when they came to me um, back in whenever it was, March or April, and presented, hey, this is a real offer, you know, try to do five years with you, see how this goes, and you'd be working with Al Michaels. I mean, it was like, "Um, sure. My big thing was, I don't want to leave college. You know, if you allow me to keep doing college, then that's great. Then let's do it. And they were they were great with me doing college and and the pro uh, game. And so here we. And then I was able to redo my ESPN deal. So I have two different deals, both kind of a five year contract for both uh, both groups. And so and and you'll see this as you guys continue in this business. You you want to keep challenging yourself. You know you don't ever want to get to a point where you kind of done this and you kind of know it. It's fun to keep kind of like you guys doing this podcast. I bet you kind of felt a sense of like, man, this is fun. This is different. It's it's challenging. We can take it over here. We can take it over there. It allows you to be creative and, and it's different from whatever else you do when it's like you're in a box a little bit. It's like, you know, you have a 40 second comment here. <laughs> here you can just kind of spread out. And so that's a big thing, you know, I think you have to do is understand that growth is and challenging yourself is is important. And so that, that'll definitely happen uh, this year for me. Kirk, I really appreciate you comparing our podcast to your uh, Thursday night NFL broadcast with Al Michaels. Very, that's very right. close, very close in the ratings and views and all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, Herbie, I, like I said, we're super excited to watch it. Excited for this you know, next chapter for you. And I can only imagine the the work that's going to go into it. But it's kind of like what yeah. we were just talking about. Nobody's going to know, but yeah. but you, your wife, and your kids. And, and that's about it. Exactly. Um, and, yeah. and at the end of the day, I know you're going to be able to, to thrive in that result. Let's get to some rapid fire we got to get you out of here you're a busy man okay. really appreciate your time and, and i say rapid fire we're going to talk about all these things it's, it's not really okay. rapid fire but uh we're going to move focus to the acc that's what we do primarily on this podcast and man it looks like it's going to be year of the quarterback again in this league and just so many guys yeah. that came back slovis transferring in a couple of really marquee names in the acc and we've asked this to every guest that's come on who is your quarterback one in the acc going into 22 Oh my gosh. That's what that, you're right. There's just so many talented guys. Even with Slovis coming over from, from Pitt after the last year that, that Pickett had. Uh I love Malik Cunningham at, at Louisville, you know, is a guy that has really become dangerous as a passer, not just not just running the way he was early in his career. Um 
I think Devin Leary has a chance to, ha- to have a monster year. He's kind of a, a guy that when you bring up all the names, he tends to, and I think them as a program, they play with a chip on their shoulder. They like to be disrespected. And he kind of embodies that. Um, you know, I, I don't know this year, maybe he'll get more attention. He, he should. Um, but I would put him up there. The kid at Miami, after De'Ara King went down, Tyler Van Dyke, he's, he's got a chance. He's got a lot of weapons. He's got Josh Gaddis now as his offensive coordinator. I think he has a chance to, to really be big. No one ever talks about Brennan Armstrong at UVA, and he was as good as any of them last year. Um, and then I think Sam Hartman, you know, I mean, at Wake, I would probably le- – it's between, for me, Leary and Hartman, if okay. just as we sit here right now. Um, and I think it has more to do with the, the known commodities of the system, who's calling the plays. You know, with Van Dyke, he's going to have to adjust to a new coaching staff. And and I, he still could have a monster year, but I think as we sit here in the summer, I would I would lean towards Hartman and, and Leary, and I think both those teams have a chance to have great years. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, how about defense? You know, it, there's there's a couple that I think are really going to stand out, uh, but who who do you think will ultimately be the best defense in the ACC? It's going to be weird to see Clemson this year without you know Coach V on the sidelines going crazy, being held back. Um. I just think their defensive line is going to be arguably the best in the country. And I, I really like to start there when it comes to trying to, you know, forecast who's going to have a great defense. I, I saw enough in their bowl game, the cheese at bowl against Iowa state because coach V by then was gone to say, you know what? I, they're still going to be sophisticated. They're still going to be active. They're still going to be moving tough defense to figure out. Um, so I, I think NC State uh, with, with Coach Dorn, I, they always play physical and kind of, like I said, kind of an attitude about them. And I, you know, I, I think that division has a chance to be really exciting this year. But I, I'll, I'll go towards Clemson. You know, I, I think they're going to have the, the top defense, even though they got a lot of new faces, you know, especially you know, linebacker and, and in the back end. The Atlantic is going to be loaded. Uh, maybe not the overall talent of a – 2016 with Lamar yeah. and Deshaun and all those guys. But I think these teams are going to be really good. The teams themselves. Let's start there. I mean, I, we, you can change these, Kirk, obviously. I mean, you can do whatever you no, want. No, you can't. No, June you can't. 6th. We're holding you to everything you say, right? I mean, now. Mac. <laughs> most people I say you can't, but for Kirk. Yeah, you, you can do whatever you want. Uh, who wins the Atlantic? Who wins the Atlantic here on June well, 6th, 2020? Again, I'm, I'm definitely not consider myself a homer. Um, when it when it comes to the teams of evaluating Clemson, I just think you have to be practical. Um, mm. You know, I, I I tend to think that Clemson, NC State, and and Wake are going to be in a those teams. I think are going to be in a kind of a, a battle. I think Clemson has them back to back weeks. If I'm not, they if do. I'm and not early and that, early or early. Yeah. Early. So I think that that's interesting. Um, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm very nervous about the the play of the quarterback position right now at Clemson. I, I, I think DJ has the goods. I think he's a talented guy. But it, I think we just need to see what he can do, you know, a better job of what he can do more consistently. Um, watch him in a spring game, it was exciting to see, you know, that, that he has a chance. But um, – I'll lean towards Clemson, but I'm nervous about the quarterback play. 
How, how do you guys see that, by the way? Okay. Uh, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with That's you. That's interesting. I think, I think, I think that position well, is going to decide the conference. And I think ultimately October 1st, when yeah. NC State travels to Death Valley, I think that'll decide who wins the, the Atlantic. I, I truly do. And you've got a known commodity in an NC State team with a lot of experience, but you also have this terrifying defense in Clemson yeah. that I don't know who's going to be able to score on them. I mean, the yeah. star power – they're loaded, so it's going to be fascinating to see. Where do they? Where is that game being played this year? It's at Death Valley. It's, it's at in Clemson. Clemson, and Clemson okay. doesn't lose at home. And so. I thought it was huge last year that NC State got over that hump last year. You know, they they beat Clemson. That last has a year. chance to so be the game of the year in the ACC. I think. Right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. Clemson also hosts Miami later in the year, so that could be preview. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> this is one of the better home schedules for yeah. the Tigers. No, I was looking at their. I was looking at that, their schedule. It's not. It usually you sit around in the summer and you're like, who could lose? Who could Clemson lose to? And there's one <laughs> or two games. Respectfully, this year, I, I'm not saying they're going to lose them. I'm just saying until you see them getting back to scoring 35, 40 points a game. I mean, you sit there and you're like, you know, maybe that could, that maybe. Could be a good game. Right. That could be yeah. a good game. So. Uh, it's kind of an exciting time, I feel like, for Clemson. No question. Because they're, they're there for a while. It was just like, all right, they're going to win the <laughs> ACC. You know, like when you were there, it's like, okay, in, they're in Charlotte. It's just a matter of who they're going to play. And, you know, they're going to beat, probably going to beat that opponent. Just put them in a playoff. <laughs> and after uh, after Trevor left, it's been, you know, okay, let's see, let's see how things are going. DJ could have a monster year and shut everybody up because he, he had. We saw what he could do the year before. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think it's a matter of his skill set. I think it's just a matter of being more decisive. Yeah, and and making good decisions and letting it rip. You know, and right. when when there's a an opening on third and four, take it. I mean, yeah. you're a big guy. Go like, don't wait. You know, <laughs> hitch, 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 sack. It's more of yeah. hitch, go. You know, right. and, and be a runner. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I don't. Yeah, the, the coastal. I think opening with I have, Georgia. You guys have any feel on the coastal? I, I have no. I have no idea. Whoever does. Well, let me tell I you mean, this. Whatever we say right here, uh, it's going to change. So I, I think when you look at it, the front runners are Pitt and Miami. I mean, I mean, I think that's when you come down to it. I think Pitt has a really, really good shot at repeating. Do uh, you? They, they have everybody wow. back. They have everybody back defensively. They look. Well, not Jordan. This Addison. isn't basketball. I'm issue. not worried about a single guy. Unless it's a quarterback, I'm not worried <laughs> okay. about just one guy. And that receiver room is deep. And they had a couple of key transfers okay. in. The Belenikoff, yeah. okay. <laughs> which a lot of people are mad about, by the way. He's doing a good job, by the way, at Pitt. Narduzzi? I mean, yeah. 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 He's done a heck of a job in recruiting. He just kind of yep. found his niche. Exactly. You know? So I think I think those are the two, you know, you're picking from when, when you look at who I, who's gonna come out there. I I think you have experience, and then we all are waiting. Mario is a former Canes player. Mm-hmm. We're all like, it's not so much if, but when. Right. And it's just how quickly is he able to get this thing going? Um, he's got a quarterback. I mean, it's a great starting point. You know, can they get their defense back to where they were just – they take the field and, and people feared them. Yep. It's a culture change to me. I mean, it, it's been – it's been an issue for them for a number of years. I mean, I'm going all the way back to Butch Davis yeah. um, really got it going when he had Ed Reed and those guys. And they held on there for 2000, 2001, 02, 03. 
And then from like maybe 04, but after that, they just kind of kind of lost their way. And then they potentially almost had the death penalty with the agent or the uh, the, the, the booster. But that's why. That's why. Yeah. They couldn't cheat anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now you can. Now you can again. It's, yeah. it's legal do now. It's do whatever legal. you want. Do whatever you want. But I'm telling you, do not sell Mario short on culture, you know. And if those kids buy in, which is impossible to predict until we see them. Right. Um, but I, I'd, lean, I'd probably lean towards Pitt only because of, I think Slovis is the real deal, and I think that's more of established, and you kind of know Pitt, despite losing Addison. I still think they've got enough playmakers there. Yeah. And they return a good bit on the D-line when you talk about their defense, too. Okay, your favorite. Can you give us a favorite in the ACC if we have a potential Clemson-Pitt ACC title, maybe Pitt NC State? What are you thinking? If we got rid of the divisions like we're going to eventually do, <laughs> I, I would have I would have Clemson, NC State, Wake, Pit. Oh, I like that. Probably. I like wow. that. Yeah. That's that awesome. probably where I would go. <laughs> Hopefully Wouldn't we get there. Fun? Hopefully we get there. Yeah. I think we will. I think next year it happens. And uh yeah, I, I guess twenty three. I think all the I think the all the conferences are gonna eventually Why not? get there. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Herbie, man, thank you so much for your time. We could talk for two hours. I know you can't. You have stuff to do. Uh we really appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> oh, happy to be with you guys. Anytime. Let's let's hook up during the season. What, what a fun interview. Again, I, I said it on the front end, but just Herbie's time and, and to go through the book and, and some really cool things that you know he has in there. Guys, if you haven't ordered that or checked it out, go do that. Amazon, wherever you can find it. It's a great read, has a ton of good stories. Uh, and then just to ultimately hear about his journey and, and his work ethic and understanding what it takes uh, you know, to be the best and, and how he's gotten to his, his level that he has. Really appreciate Kirk Herbstreet. That was such a fun interview. But that's it for us, guys. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, go over to YouTube, subscribe to both of our channels. Go get SiriusXM. You've got to check it out on there. They have the app. They have it in your car. So we can follow you anywhere you guys go. Really appreciate you guys. But until next time, we'll see you all.